Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Hey, Tom. What's up, Jacob? Hey, Tom. Combine's over. Combine's the over. The Underwear Olympics are done. They put their pants back on. They're back into their home states getting ready for their pro days. Mm-hmm. Would you eat a St. Elmo shrimp cocktail at 9 a.m. in the morning? Our buddy Wes was out there on Radio Row all week long, and he was showing me that they were passing around shrimp cocktail ex- uh, free samples at 9 in the morning. It's the best shrimp cocktail I've heard in the world at St. Elmo's. I've had it. Was, it's really good. I, well, I, you know I went to school out oh, yeah, in Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. My buddies and I would go up to Indianapolis. The big old city every once in a while? Like I think like two or three times in the entire four years, yeah. But, but 9 a.m.? No, not the 9 a.m. <laughs> one. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. They couldn't do that in the afternoon session on radio. I mean, some food. You would you would take a shrimp cocktail at 9 a.m. Probably. I probably would, especially after the activities that take place the yeah. night before on Combine days. Trust me, I've been there covering the Combine. It's it's a whirlwind. Those media folk really know how to how to have some fun on a in on a Tuesday night in Indianapolis <laughs> on a bar. Uh, but the combine is just a lot of fun because it's another one of those examples of football being king for 365, it being in the front of everybody's mind all right. year long. And we're we're a month less than a month out of the Super Bowl, and we still haven't taken the spotlight. We've basically, away from turned the, the page yeah, into right. the completely new right. season. You know what prospects are going to be great? Who's rising up the board? Who checks out their forty time? All that good stuff. Uh, with the Steelers, one thing that I took away from the combine because you know. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago before the Combine started when we were doing a show, you know. I don't know if the Combine's really going to ever make you like, oh, wow, he ran a fast 40 time. He's going to go in the top five now as opposed to being a fifth-round pick. Just kind of confirmation that you're not a complete schlub out there, that there's not some big, you know, but, like, oh, he's a great player, but little slow. It's just kind of checking boxes off and making sure that things are okay. So I don't think anything can really make you, you know, leap up in the Combine. So for me... The biggest takeaway that I got was not any individual player that the Steelers might be targeting, any amazing performance from, say, a Joey Porter Jr. or a Christian Gonzalez. It was Omar Khan's comments on the first day of the Combine when he spoke to the media, and he was so open to moving up and using draft picks to move up in the draft. You hadn't really heard that from Steelers GMs before, from Colbert before. Maybe he would say say things like, you know, we— are keeping all of our options on the table or something like that. You know, like, we're not going to shy away from a good offer if it comes to our doorstep. But with what Khan was saying, it, it seemed like not only will they hear offers for, you know, 17 and 32 to potentially move up, they might actively pursue it. They might be aggressive in their pursuit of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to hear him take that tact of of kind of, I don't, I don't want to say being upfront. He didn't come out and say, I'm trading the pick. We're going into the top 10. But just kind of being a little bit more open than you're used to. I, I, I think that was very interesting and somewhere I want to start with is exploring that notion of trading up in this draft because it's very clear that that's something the Steelers are exploring right now. That That's very evident with what Omar had said to the media. I mean, they have room to do so. It's not they like... They have the picks to do right? so. It's not like this is 2020. They traded away their first-round pick for Mika Fitzpatrick, and they only have one second-round draft pick and one third-round draft pick and zero first-round draft picks. They have four picks in the top 80. Uh, I know Daniel Jeremiah, when he had his little press conference at the start of the Combine, said he thinks that the Steelers have the capability or the opportunity to add four starters in the draft this year. Mm. I mean, that's... 
I love if that comes the true. optimism. You sure, got to yeah. nail your draft, though. Right, I mean, right. you got to draft extremely well. But that just well. shows like what impact those picks at those positions have. And I think it also is illustrating the fact that the Steelers, where they are as a team, they need immediate help. Like, say you draft Joey Porter Jr., he's got to start at corner right. from day one, mm-hmm. and he's got to be your starter, unless, of course, injuries happen, for 17 games of the season. Like, they need immediate help from their top-tier draft picks this year. So I kind of see where Dar- Daniel Jeremiah is coming there. Obviously, you have to nail the draft picks, but I think he's right in the fact that you know the Steelers are in this spot where they went 9-8 uh, and eight last year, just missed out on the playoffs, and they have some holes, some evident holes. For a team that was that close to the playoff last year, maybe a little bit more holes than you'd think for a team that was almost in and, and kind of on the rise with a lot of youth. A lot of youth. So you kind of need these guys that you pick to be injected in right away mm-hmm. and have impact right away because you're doing this Steelers thing where you're rebuilding but not really. It's like a retooling almost. Like you're going to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, we don't, use also, that, we don't use that word around Pittsburgh, do You're going to try to make the playoffs every year while also trying to keep the cupboard stocked, keep putting things in the pantry. And that's a very tough thing to have to do. Um but that's where I think you got it. You can't pick a guy in the first round with 17 and have him become a project for a year or two. He's got to start, and he's got to start ASAP. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the holes, right? The holes are pretty significant. Um, but there's also depth issues, too. And so when Daniel Jeremiah said the four starters, I don't know necessarily if you get four guys that can start for you, but you could get four contributors, four legitimate guys who can all be <clears> – <throat> impact players in 2023 not necessarily they're starting at their respective positions I think you have to hit on at least two starters and those top 80 right if you come away if you finish the season next year and two of those top 80 picks are not full-time starters and I don't mean like guys like Dan Moore who had to find his way into the starting lineup because of circumstances, because of injuries surrounding the other guys at his position. I, I, You need to have... Honestly, Tom, I think if you walk away and three of those guys aren't legitimate starters that you can say to yourself in 2024, this is our future core, then it may have been a failed draft at the top end. You never know what's going to happen at the bottom because you can always find a diamond in the rough. You can always find a contributor uh, in the later rounds. But to have three picks in the top 50 and four in the top 80 and to walk away with less than half of those or only half of them being legitimate contributors for the foreseeable future, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. And I think that's kind of the argument in moving up. Do you go with the quality over the quantity? You know, instead of having pick mm. 17 and 32, do you have pick number nine instead? Yeah. And that guy's going to be a starter. But that guy I mean, has to. Oh, I mean, hit. it's a I mean, humongous. It's a Devin Bush level. Right, bus exactly. If he doesn't right. end up playing well. One thing that does worry me, though, and I think a, a reason why you got to think about moving up if you're the Steelers, just did a little quick simulation of PFF's uh, Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator. Uh, Christian Gonzalez went sixth. Peter Skaronsky, mm. the tackle out of Northwestern, went eighth. Uh, uh, Paris Johnson, the other tackle out of Ohio State, State, went twelfth. Yeah. And Joey are, Porter Jr. went fifteenth. I mean, those guys, are I think the top four for your Steelers. For the Steelers, yeah. I agree. And and by the way, just for a little good measure, Jordan Addison went the pick right before the Steelers in this at sixteen. So like, 
Skaronsky and Johnson are the big tackles. PZ's kid and uh, PZ Jr. and Christian Gonzalez are the corners that are on the mm-hmm. two biggest position of needs for your Steelers, I think, and the top two prospects at those position of needs. They're all going early. Yeah. I mean, the only one that even had a chance to make it to 17 was Porter Jr., who went at 15. Uh, everywhere else, 12 for Johnson Jr., and then in the top 10 for Skaronsky, and Gonzalez almost went top five. Gonzalez is the one that hurts because I think he's a guy that I was hoping would be there at 17, but he's done nothing but move up right. the board. Like, to the point where he is passing Devin Witherspoon from Illinois as number one corner off the board mm-hmm. sometimes. So Gonzalez was, uh, is getting to become more and more of a pipe dream unless you trade up. So, like, mm-hmm. the big guys that I think you want or the guys that I've at least identified that I want are going to be there if you have the chutzpah to go after to it. get up there and move up in the draft. <laughs> right? Like, that, it's becoming more evident that the well, quality big-time players that you've targeted as the top of the position groups that you mm-hmm. need are going to go before 17. Or you might get lucky and they won't, but you'll probably be picking the fourth guy of that group once you get to 17. We are about six weeks-ish out from the NFL draft as of today. End of April, yeah. What out, like, there's still a lot of time for things to change, for teams to Yeah, make, there's still pro days that for, are happening. Right, there, but not only that, Tom, there will be teams who make trades before the draft and happens. Move up into the draft, move back. Right, move back, and so... I mean, you, the, the Bears at number one are... are in everybody's mind right now because they don't need a quarterback, so they are waiting right. for them to move back. So the draft, the mock drafts are super helpful to get a sense of which players are really at the top of their yeah, respective positions. Yeah, like where they think they rank. Right, yeah. but the draft is so hard to predict because you never know what a team is actually going to target in that first round. Like, there's going to be teams that make a reach and there's going to be teams that... Just say, oh my gosh, we had no idea this guy was going to fall to us. We we have to take him. And there's always there's just always a possibility that someone's going to fall. Like I look at Kyle Hamilton last year for the Ravens. Right, this guy was being marketed as the best safety out of college football in years, and he fell all the way to what, like 18 to the Ravens. He was supposed to be like a top seven pick, and he fell way below what he was expected to go as. So. Mock drafts, super helpful, also super fun for our benefit, but there's just so much time. I mean, we talk about how the NFL is a 365-day sport, and when you consider six weeks from the end of the combine to the start of the draft, that is an eternity for things to happen. So we have a lot of time before we can really understand what Omar Khan is going to do. I mean, we don't know when he's going to make his move, if he makes his move. You also, it's a two-way street with trades, so you need a a partner that's willing to trade with you if you're going to move up, and I think that's kind of hard to find one. I mean, Mm -hmm. top five picks, I mean, Seattle's going to want to pick a number five. They're going to want to take their pick there. Obviously, the Colts, Cardinals, and Texans are going to want to pick there, and the the Bears aren't going to want to drop anywhere further back than where the Texans are picking or the Colts are picking if they swap for a quarterback. So you look at number six, the Lions, that's their pick from the Rams, they want to pick there. They, mm-hmm. They're they're a playoff team next year in their mind. They want to add a Christian Gonzalez like they right. took in this mock draft and, and get even better. Uh, the Raiders ain't moving back. They need a quarterback. Oh, they're gonna yeah. sit. They're moving up yeah. if anything. Uh, I don't know why the Falcons would trade with you. They're the team that took Peter Skaronsky, a guy who I'm really mm-hmm. high on tackle out of Northwestern. Northwestern right. uh, they took him at eight. They need a guy to protect their young quarterbacks. They need a guy to help their mm-hmm. offensive line. The Panthers need a quarter quarterback. They're not moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles, maybe you can get something with them, but they took Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, and they need uh, wide receiver help. But 
the one that I'm targeting to move up with is number 11, the Tennessee Titans. That team is fire sailing. I think that team is pulling the plug on things. You, you hear rumors mm. now that Derrick Henry is on the market right. as a trade piece. Right. That team is ready to move on. If that's the guy that you're hearing, if that's the name you're hearing out of that team. Then they shouldn't be attached to picking Devin Witherspoon at the number 11 right. pick. That's not going to put them over the hump. Offer him 17. Maybe you just swap, right? A 17 and a, 17 and and a third and a fifth, rounder, yeah. 17 and a fourth, fourth rounder. Yeah. Offer him that first. Maybe they take it. Maybe they're like, yeah, we don't have anybody we're in love with at this spot. We'll drop back six spots and pick at number 17. Their franchise isn't one first-round draft pick away no. from being a playoff contender. And you're not even Super losing a first-round draft pick. You're just moving right, back you're just a couple swapping. spots. So I would try that from the Steelers. That's a team that I would target. That's number 11, so you're still kind of risking some of the guys that you'd want being taken. But if we were to, say, move up with the Titans in this little mock draft here, mm-hmm. say, you know, we traded them the 17th pick and we traded them a fourth-round pick, we would have Devin Witherspoon on the board that we could take. Yeah, We would have Paris Johnson on the board that mm-hmm. we could take. And we'd have Joey Porter Jr. on the board that we can take. So you so, went from zero out of five guys, really. If you want to throw an Addison, you'd have all There's but, another guy, You'd yeah. have all but one, really, right? Because the only one that you didn't mention was... Uh, the Skronsky went eighth, and Gonzalez went sixth. So you have three out of five. You have three out of five guys sitting there at 11 for you to take, and I, I think I'd lean towards Paris Johnson, the tackle, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Uh, so trading up, using the capital to trade up and, and get a guy that you believe in and and getting that left tackle, like would you rather have a good left tackle and a good corner or – the next 10 to 15 years at left tackle, dude's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer, making all-time or making all-pro teams like crazy, uh, have like Rashawn Slater type mm-hmm. impact, Christian Derrissaw type impact. Well, I mean, it's it's back to your original point. You want quantity or quality? Which do you prefer? And and that's going to be the question that everyone's going to be asking in Pittsburgh. And with the former what does Omar there, Khan res- what does Omar Khan prefer? With the former there, you can get quality with quantity. Right. If you nail both your draft picks, yeah. But you're just your odds are a lot greater to get that stud if you're picking eleventh, if you're picking tenth overall, overall seven instead of seventeenth overall. Exactly. And you know, here I'll, let's we'll do this one more time. I'll do I'll just reset this and see if any guys fall to the Steelers at 17 in this go-around. But the more and more I do these mock drafts, the fewer and fewer times that the the guys that we're talking about fall to 17. Like, everybody seems to move up. And I I think that's, I mean, it's probably a good thing for us, talent evaluation-wise. Like, we're talking about players that are moving up the board instead of guys that are just bombing and going down. Right. But it does hurt for the Steelers when they're not, you know, making that headway or when players aren't kind of, you know, falling to you perfectly every time, and they are instead moving up in their draft position, it it doesn't look like some of these guys are going to make it to that spot at 17. So in this next one I did, Skronsky fell, but only to 14, to the Patriots. Joey Porter Jr. went 13th to the Jets. Number 10, Paris Johnson Jr. went to the Eagles. Christian Gonzalez went number 9 to the Panthers, and Devin Witherspoon was the corner taken by the Lions at number six. So, again, you know, no one's there at number 17 that you'd really, you know, think about getting or a guy that was really high on your list of getting. um, They're all gone. And I I guess in this mock draft, the one guy that's still floating there is is Jordan Addison. He did not get taken yet, so you could, you know, maybe take a reach on that and grab him. But, you know, those tackles, those corners – they're all gone off the board before you get to, to 17. 
uh, trading up really doesn't seem like that bad of an idea to me anymore. It, it seems like something they might want to explore. I know you're going to have cold feet on it if you're a fan because the last trade up burned you so badly. You're oh, still yeah. getting over it. Oh yeah. But that's I mean, the, I mean, you just you're just going to part ways with that guy for the first time. That's the only way that you know. What happens when you fall? You get back up. Isn't that what Thomas Wayne told Bruce Wayne when he fell down the the, isn't the well what, in Batman isn't that Begins? What Rocky Stallone isn't Rocky Stallone. Rocky Stallone. <laughs> Rocky Balboa played by Sylvester Stallone. He isn't said that, that like whole a, mantra of that franchise? You get that? You gotta get back up. It doesn't That's matter how it hard you get hit. <laughs> it matters. What you do when you get hit and you get back up and you keep on going. So you got to be able to, you know, put that behind you and realize, yeah, we missed once before. Does that mean we don't trade up ever again because we missed just one time? That's foolish. And I, I think in this draft, man, it kind of like you you love that they went nine and eight, right? And that they rallied at the end of the year because you got Kenny's progression Yeah, you happen. got some momentum being but, built. Man, if they were just picking mm, like five picks right. earlier, they'd be in such a pretty spot to have at least one of these guys land right in their yeah. lap. And now they I wouldn't just, have to worry about the possibility of trading. Now up. being the like team, them and the Lions being the two teams mm-hmm. right on the outside looking in the 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 eighth seeds, mm-hmm. if you will, the Steelers and the AFC and the Lions and the NFC. And now they're they're at that point in the draft where you're just right on that outside. Like if he was an NBA, if you're like at the very end of the lottery. Like, you just had, like, one ping-pong ball in the lottery machine. And, again, that's why I think trading up is something that I would, become, I would certainly consider become a more realistic. attractive yeah, and, strategy. And, and and maybe the right strategy. Maybe mm-hmm. the right thing to do. If, if you can trade up and you can get Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern and he's protecting Kenny's blindside for the next mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, that's well worth you know, moving some extra capital to get your left tackle of the future. But then at the same time, if we are on draft day and day one happens and they pick at 17 and then day two starts and they're the first pick on day two at number 32, I don't think you can be too mad at that either. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt and let things play out. Maybe the right player fell to them at 17. Maybe, you know, they had other guys on their big board that aren't Skronsky, that aren't Johnson, that they're comfortable with. Like mm. uh, the corner out of uh, Maryland that is high on people's lists, uh, Deontay Banks. Maybe they like him. Maybe they pick him at 17. I-, I don't know. Maybe they do get Addison at 17 or something like that. It will remain to be seen, and the jury will be out until you see them play. But I kind of have a-, a hope that they trade up and we get a, a big-time pick here, and we get a, a mm. top 10 Maybe eleven Splash. pick something splashy. Like Someone that, yeah. that is not just like the the trouble, Tom, is that in hindsight, like could the guy that you potentially get at seventeen also be that ten year, fifteen year? Yes, staple? of course, of course, he could be. TJ and then you're and then you're looking at yourself. I mean, you're looking at yourself and saying, okay, the guy whoever we got for trading up is great, but we could have kind of sat on our hands a little bit. And not have been so trigger happy, and of course, it's all a guessing game. Yeah, right. Of course, you could have that happen to you, and that would stink. But like, it's like the way it works so, sometimes. We're so concerned because it does. It doesn't feel like the Steelers have had this much front end draft capital in a long time, and it feels that way because it's the, it's the truth. Uh, I mean, I know it's technically a second round pick, but thirty two overall that. Every other year, that's a number one, or that's a first it's round the last pick. last pick in the first round. 
When was the last time you knew the Steelers had more than one first-round draft pick? Not in our lifetime. They don't, like, sell players. Right, so they exactly. they get that kind of capital. Yeah, they don't just get rid of their best players. I yeah. mean, the only examples you can think of were Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but so those different. were so different. And they, they, those two nuked their value that you couldn't even get first-round right. picks for. Them. And they still got a good value. I mean, yeah, you get a third-round third pick. pick. Came Deontay yeah, Johnson. Right. I mean, you replaced them, but still, you, you're not getting— Antonio Brown, when he left, was worth two first-round picks. Oh, yeah. For on-field And then he just kind of blew up, and you could— you just had to get what you could get. Yeah, so they don't him. they don't get two first round picks often because they don't sell off their players. So it's a weird it's a weird in between that they're dealing with because they don't usually have this much room to work with in the top thirty two. But, but the room that you're trying to work with to maybe create something just going from a seventeen and thirty two to a number ten or a number nine, you're apprehensive about it because the last time you did it was only a few years ago, and it was a horrible, horrible move. Granted, the silver lining from that Devin Bush draft pick is it wasn't like the Steelers reached on him. Right? Everybody Everyone was says like, like he right was a first-round draft pick. That. He was going to go. Have gone. That's why you traded up, because they were going right, to get Right, because you were sitting at like 18. He was going to be there at 18, so he was going to be gone by the time you got there. I mean, if that's, if that's what you want to call a silver lining, just to make yourself – Sleep easier at night. Go ahead. Yeah, like it wasn't like you remember when the Raiders picked Alex Leatherwood. And right. Everybody was like, "What the?" Or like, the Patriots picked that one guy. Yeah, last it was a year. safety, wasn't he? Yeah, like Lehigh College. And don't or you remember Sean McVay said, "Oh, this is great. This is just <laughs> one less pick for us to worry about." And then uh, another one with the Raiders. Who was it? Oh, Clellan Farrell. I right. think. Right. Out of, maybe first... it wasn't Clown Farrell. No, it was I think a, you're right. A Clemson player got picked way too early, and everybody was like, what in the hell is Mayock and Gruden doing? So, yeah, Bush wasn't like that. Bush wasn't like instant reaction, like, holy crap, the Steelers screwed up. It was a lot of, wow, good for the Steelers for being aggressive. They've been trying to fill the Shazier hole for a while, and I think they just did it with Devin Bush. Like, that it was, looked that like was it the was talk. working out his yeah, rookie, rookie year. year was the perfect. First, the first half of his sophomore year, too. And then I guess injuries happen, and he just was never able to get back on the horse. But one thing we do know, and this is directly from the word of mouth of Omar Khan, is we now like it's 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 obvious to the public the draft, um, not necessarily strategy, but the 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 plan of attack. Right? It's Omar and Weidel who set the players that the Steelers should be going after. And then it's up to Tomlin and Rooney to pick them. To, to pick them. So it seems like whether the, the trade up happens is only going to be determined to be determined by Omar Khan and, and Andy Weidel. It's like that scene in Moneyball, kind of back to your point of like, you know, you can get that next 10-year player at 17 or at 32 mm-hmm. or at 48 or at 84. Like you just don't know. Whenever uh, Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean, is sitting down with the scouts and he said, I've been at that table right. where you look at the parents in the eye and you're like, I know, and with your son, I, I know. know he's going to be great. But you and don't. You don't. You it's don't. the same thing with this. Like, you know Bryce Young's going to be great. He was great at Alabama. He won a national championship. He mm-hmm. won a Heisman. He is going to be a great quarterback, I promise you, Mr. and Mrs. Young. But you don't know that. He might be mm-hmm. too small. It might be too fast moving for him once he jumps it. There's no way to know until they actually play the game. And I, I just saw Dan Campbell actually had a great quote, quote about the underwear Olympics. And he was basically like, 
I come to the combine just to meet these guys, just to talk to them. Right. I don't watch their workouts because I see what I need to see on the tape. Right. When they're playing. There's actual no reason football. to see their measurables here. I see that come to life on uh, the tape when they're also yeah. actually playing football. So for him, it's just like a shake your hand. What's this kid's character? You know, what's a what's a lunch like with this kid? Is this a guy mm-hmm. I see gelling with my locker room kind of thing? And I bet you a lot of coaches think that way too and just don't say that quiet part out loud where they're just like, yeah, as long as he doesn't trip and fall in the three-cone drill, I don't really care. That dude looked like a freak at Michigan last year when he was chasing Ohio State players all around the field. Like, mm-hmm. that's what really matters to these people the most. And at the end of the day, that's what counts the most is how do they look like once preseason starts and you've, you know, cranked the intensity up from a seven in college football to an 11 in mm-hmm. the NFL. Are you able to match that speed? Is the game too big for you? You, you? you can't tell that by running 40 yards straight in Lucas Oil Stadium in the middle of March or early March. Uh, it's impossible. No, I, I love what Campbell said. I mean, there's really so little that we don't love about that guy, but he's absolutely right. I mean, what would you rather see? Would you rather have, you know, those those uh, those things you see on Twitter where it's like player A has these stats and player B has these stats, right? I love right? those, the silhouettes. And you have, yeah, the silhouettes. You have no idea who was who, and it's like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Flacco, and it's like the same numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what would you rather see? Uh, a game line from a college football playoff game or a guy's 40-yard dash or his vertical or his arm width or his hand size. Everything you just said is just kind of like a cherry on top. Like, yeah. he destroyed Alabama in the college football playoff, and he ran a 4-4. Like, right. whoa, that's pretty nice. He's got some speed, too. I didn't know he was that fast. Like, it's all just a little bit extra there. It obviously comes down to what Like, ha- here's but, a good example of why the like, there's combine— There's guys that are faster than, you know, the— Bijan Robinson from Texas, but they're not going to get picked in the first round because they're why not the, Bijan Robinson from Texas. Right. The combine, many are saying, is just kind of getting co- to be completely unnecessary for football. I kind of think that too. I kind of think like Tyree especially Kill. with pro days now. Tyree like, Kill. I mean, I know this is just one example, but we talk about his speed being electric, right? Unmatched in the NFL right now. Where was his hype around the combine? His rookie. What was year. he? A third round pick? A fourth round pick? I think he was like a fifth round pick. Yeah, or he was not an early pick at all. People obviously he ran a four two nine. Like he I was, mean, I think Chris Johnson's record was like a four two four. It was then broken by uh, uh John Ross. He went he went, went f- to the Bengals. Four two nine and was picked round five, pick one sixty five because he's out of West Alabama, having after the trouble that he had at Oklahoma State. So clearly, and he's too small. Is clearly, what his combine, his speed didn't, didn't have any effect on his draft position. It, it, maybe it did, but to the point where it was like, well, a we could use him as a kick pick, returner, right? So a pick seventh him round pick or an undrafted guy versus a fifth round pick. Yeah, no, he. It's not the end all be all at all, and. There's actually some more combine storylines I want to touch on nationally. A couple of players, uh, obviously the Jalen Carter situation. Yes. Get into that uh, on the next episode, as well as talk about some of the free agency frenzy that's going on in the NFL. Burp. <laughs> New quarterback in the NFC South. Oh, I miss the burp. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about some more combine stuff next. Uh, you can subscribe right now, though to the Steelers standard. Every episode we do is available for you to download. So subscribe today through the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find your podcast. We'll keep talking free agency and the combine uh, around the corner. That's on the way next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman.
This is the Steelers standard.